Brought to you by Dubois Productions. Hello and welcome back to NO and JB Sports Pedigree. We're back to provide insight on a wide variety of sports topics from NBA hoops to international soccer, NFL, Major League Baseball, anywhere in between. Our goal is not only to give you some real honest opinion and perspective, but we're going to have some fun while doing it. Of course. And we definitely hope you have fun right along with us. So let's not waste any more time. Let's dig right in. I am JB. And I am the one and only, you know, JB. <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, we got to start off today. Well, today we are, I'm excited. We're bringing back one of my all-time favorite segments, and that would be the top five segment. That's right. For those of you that uh, missed it a couple weeks ago, I revealed my top 10 through 6 pitchers of all time. And today, N.O. and I are going to reveal our top 5 pitchers of all time. And just to reiterate my standards and expectations for pitchers, um, what I'm looking at when I'm looking at pitchers, and N.O. can chime in on, on his thoughts as well, but I'm looking at ERA. I'm looking at walks and hits per innings pitch, strikeouts mm -hmm. per nine, strikeouts per walk, kind of shows some dominance, as well as postseason. I'm not necessarily taking wins into account. Of course, mm -hmm. that's a byproduct of greatness, but, you know, there's a lot that goes into that uh, that that the pitcher really can't control. And, and when we're talking about pitchers, currently there's 84 Hall of Fame pitchers. So mm -hmm. to narrow it down to five, much less ten, extremely challenging. Um, most of the guys on my list, longevity is a is throughout 15, some even That's 20 right. plus years uh, pitching. And uh, just as recap, my 10 through six uh, were Max Scherzer, Clayton Kershaw, Nolan Ryan, Bob Gibson, Sandy Koufax, um, and I, I don't want to speak for No. Maybe he'll elaborate a little on of this, course. but you're not really going to see anybody on my list prior to. Um, you know, the 40s for sure, because we're looking at the level of competition. And, um, you know, when you have half of the society not playing, um, mm -hmm. it kind of kind of takes out a lot of the talent. So no doubt, no doubt. Um, you know, a big part of my criteria, JB, to chime in real quick is volume of great hitters and pitchers in a given era to determine the quality and quantity of greatness in the guys on my list. How good were the opposing hitters? Was there other dominant mm. pitchers or did their numbers stand out considerably um, because of the level of competition? Then I took into account career ERA combined with wins above replacement. Obviously, strikeout to walk numbers. And finally, did they win big games and pitch well? Mm. All five guys on my list, JB, are top 10 war in pretty much every other category. War, wins above replacement, to define it again is overall runs allowed divided by innings pitched to measure a pitcher's value relative to another available player or replacement so i'm a little bit different from jb in that i my number five and number four player are older era players guys i just couldn't leave out just because the numbers were so incredible but my okay. top but my top three come on now we got to go with the modern era so <laughs> all right let me jump it off with my number five player. Yeah, David. kick it off, you know. Let's go. Nicknamed the Big Six. Talk about Christy Matheson. Mm. Couldn't leave this guy off the list, JB. Even though he came from, once again, a very old era, he played at the turn of the century from 1900 to 1916. He started 552 games in his MLB career and was 373 and 188 as a starter. I'm not huge on wins and losses, right, of course, as a starting pitcher, but... Well, because of run support, it, and it's out of your control. Sure. But I am big on earned run average. This guy had a career 2-1-3 ERA. He had five seasons. Pretty impressive. It, well, it is, JP. He had five seasons of a sub-2 ERA, and he gave up only 89 home runs in 17 seasons, around five per season, with being between 35 and 50 starts during a 13-year span. His famous pitch, pitch was a screwball, too, JP. He was a screwball pitcher. He also... Mm -hmm. To add to his greatness, didn't pitch on Sunday because he was a Christian. JB, the big oh, six. Oh, wow. I My number five player that. of all time. That's right. He didn't pitch on Sunday. Okay. Props to him for that. Right. All right. Well, we definitely going to stay much more modern with my list. I'll tell no you doubt, that. No doubt. No um, doubt. And, and no, no bones about that one. That's a, that's a great selection. My number five player is the only non-starter on any of my top 10 and I could not leave this guy off the what? list. We're Who talking got, about Jamie? utter dominance. 
We're talking about Mariano Rivera. Oh, he's man. number five. Mariano Rivera, man. Pitched from 1995 to 2013, 19 years, and I think it's well known that he is the best closer of ever. Best closer ever. No contest. No uh, really contest. only threw one pitch, threw a cutter. That's um, right. Averaging in the mid 90s, and you knew it was coming. That's right. You couldn't hit it. No. This guy had 652 saves, by far the most all time. Led the league three times, but the longevity of his career and dominance, he had 25 saves or more for 15 straight years. Now, you can put whatever stock you want into closers, but this guy, when he came in, you knew the game was over. Bye-bye. His ERA was below 2 11 times and 2.21 for his career. 8.2 strikeouts per nine innings, 4.1 strikeouts per walk. His career whip was one. And maybe even more impressive about this guy is in the postseason, he was better. 0.7 ERA. What? In the, in the postseason and wow. .99 sub-1 ERA in seven World Series person, World Series appearances. Yes. And a 5.24 walk-to-strikeout ratio in the postseason. Mariano Rivera, um, just utter dominance from the closer position. Man, that's a great pick, picking Mariano Rivera, who wasn't a starting pitcher. Hey, when the, when the ninth inning came around, if he was the opposing team down by one or two runs, you might as well just start walking walking down the tunnel. Just buy, start the bus. Start the buses, folks. Kick the bus off. All right, JB. Uh, my one other older-era player had 110 career shutouts, JB, in 531 complete games. 531 complete games, JB. That's insane. Career 217 ERA, 11 sub 2 ERA seasons, 3,509 career strikeouts. His walk numbers were a bit high, but this dude pitched until the wheels fell off. JB, we're talking about Walter Johnson, the big train. Walt, Walt. When you have seasons of 38, 36, 35, 33, and another 36 complete games, and have an earned run average that low, you are built different. You have 417 wins, including a 36 and seven record in 1913. So, you know, he pitched way back in the day. He led the league in strikeouts 12 times and went over 300 twice. This dude was a legit machine, baby. Walter Johnson, the big train. 1907 yeah, a, to 1927 is when he pitched number four with your vote It's a lot of, it's a lot of games. Lot you of, know, definitely. The the props that I give the guys back in the day uh, is they they certainly could, you know, pitch till their arms fell off. We weren't worried about talking about you know pitch count. That's for sure. <laughs> All right, number four on my list is a, well, mainly played with two teams for his career, probably best known as an Atlanta Brave, none other than Greg Maddox. Mm. Greg Maddox pitched from 1986 to 2008, 23 mm. years. Again, not huge on the win category for pitchers, but this guy had 17 straight 15-plus win seasons. What? That is ultimate consistency. He also won four straight Cy Youngs. That that's unheard of. Yeah, that's insane. Greg Maddox was a master of movement and control. Early in his career, he was in the low 90s, but most people remember him pitching, you know, his fastball was maybe hitting 85. Mm-hmm. And guys just couldn't touch him. Two-seam fastball is nasty. Circle change. Of course, the four-seamer, he also threw a cutter, a curve, a slider, and a split finger. And, you know, stepping in the box, you're, you're looking at a guy that's quirky, herky-jerky motion. Uh, just really could never time him up. Greg Maddox had 18 gold gloves. Uh, <laughs> 18 gold gloves for his career. Uh, 109 complete games, uh, which he led the league three times in. Uh, he led in walks per nine innings nine times. Career ERA of 3.16, which he led four times. 
Uh, the lower lower on the strikeout, again, not a high-velocity guy. 6.1 strikeouts for nine, but still 3.37 strikeouts per walk, which is pretty darn good, and actually led the league three times in that. Uh, his whip for his career, 1.143. And his ERA in the winner's circle, Winter circle. What is wrong with me? The World Series ERA, <laughs> 2.09. So definitely stepped it up on the uh, big stage. Greg Maddox, number four on my list. Yeah, I'm going to keep talking about Greg Maddox because he's number three on my list. Oh, look 3,371 strikeouts, which is 10th all-time, JB. And his, his accuracy, his pinpoint edge of the strike zone pitches, it were just they were just unmatched. Greg Maddox was one of those guys who just he understood the mental aspect of pitching. He understood the chess match batter, you know, because like you said, the 85 mile per hour fastball means that location has to be the number one thing. Putting it in the right spot, knowing the uh, batter's weaknesses, right? Because a guy who can hit that low ball, yeah, maybe if I elevate it a little bit, he's not going to be able to hit it. Greg Maddox understood that fully, right? You know, in 1995, JB, he went 19 and 2 with a 163 ERA. Woo! 260 strikeouts, 209 innings. I'm, I'm down. Greg Maddox, number three pitcher all time. Hey, one more thing just to hop on the bandwagon for Greg. This is a crazy stat. Greg Maddox faced 20,421 batters in his career. Out of those 20,421 at bats, 177, I'm sorry, 310 of them saw a 3-0 count. Ridiculous. And out of those 310, 177 of them were intentional walks. So really, uh, you're looking at 133 out of over 20,000 got to a 3-0 count. He on threw strikes. Maddox. That man threw strikes. Crazy control. Yeah. All right. Number three on my list. Man, it's hard to top. Gosh. Number three on my list is... The Rocket, Roger Clemens. That's right. Yes, sir. Pitched from 1984 to 2007. Still not in the Hall of Fame. Uh, I get it. Steroids, but come on, guys. I mean, how, who wasn't it for, <laughs> for quite a while? 24 years. So the Rocket had a, a extremely hard fastball, topping out close to 100. Very hard-breaking ball as well. Developed a split finger later in his career. Um you know, his his postseason work, 12 postseasons in his career, and, and really was dominant there as well. 4,672 strikeouts, his third all-time, and he led five times in that category. Mm-hmm. Uh, 3.12 career ERA, led the league seven times in that. His 2.37 ERA in the World Six Series was excellent, and uh, he actually was better every round of the playoffs. 8.6 strikeouts per nine innings. 2.96 strikeouts to walks, which he led in three times, and most Cy Youngs of all time, seven. Yeah. One, two, three, five, six, seven Cy Youngs and an MVP in 1986, which kind of helps to separate him. So number three all time, Roger Clemens, who's not in the Hall of Fame. JB, we're kind of following the same trend. Roger Clemens is my number two pitcher of all time. I, um, I really don't have much to add in for him. You know, two-time World Series champ. I can't remember if you said that one or not, but every other step. I didn't. The seven-time Cy Young. Oh, my goodness. Seven? Seven? Are you serious? It's crazy, isn't it? Crazy. Seven-time Cy Young, you know, champ. He was a five-time strikeout champ. 4,672 strikeouts, third all-time. Roger Clemens, the Rocket, number two pitcher all-time on NO's list. And, you know, I think where we're going to differ is probably, um, obviously, you're five and four. And I think my number one is not going to be on your list because I, I think my number two, I'm just putting it, going out on a limb here. I think my number two is going to be your number one. My okay. number two pitcher of all time. Or do you want to give yours? Go ahead, JB. <laughs> okay. My number two is... Randy Johnson. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> Randy pitched from 1988 to 2009, 22-year career, intimidating 6'10 frame, 100-mile-an-hour fastball, and 90-mile-an-hour-plus hard slider, just filthy with that three-quarters delivery. Um, 
dude was hitting 102 miles an hour at 42, 40 years old. Like, come on, man. Oh, my gosh. 100 complete games for his career, which he led the league four times. 4,875 strikeouts, his second all-time, and led the league nine times in that category. Crazy. Uh, a couple of no-nos for his career. Uh, 3.29 ERA is a little bit higher than some guys on my list, but just the utter dominance in, in his years when he um, really learned as he got older how to pitch better and not mm -hmm. just be a thrower. Yeah. Um, he did lead the league in ERA four times, and his ERA in the World Series was 1.04. Crazy. Uh, 10.6 strikeouts per nine innings. That is also insane. 3.26 strikeouts to walk, 1.171 whip. His whip in the World Series, 0.69. Oh, my God. Again, crazy. Five Cy Youngs for this guy, which, again, is just incredible. And a World Series MVP. World Series Randy MVP. Johnson's number two on my list. That's right. That's my number one pitcher of all time. That World Series MVP was with the 2001 Diamondbacks. Talking yes, about sir. a guy who had four straight seasons of a sub three ERA in Arizona. Four straight, you know what I mean? Um, and you, when we think about his little bit higher ERA, a little bit over three, Randy Johnson always pitched in tough divisions, man. Had some tough batters to face. And like, when you think about it, you know, you're gonna give That's up some runs, point. but his strikeout totals were, I mean, standing, what, basically seven feet tall? Yeah. Throwing down. Oh, my goodness. On that mound, Randy Johnson was nearly unhittable, man. So, you know, I'm, some of these guys closing their eyes, swinging right when, he, right when he lets the ball go. Like, he got lucky. He got lucky there, fella. Got your oh bat on goodness. the ball, man. But Randy Johnson, man, was just the tallest, most dominant force in MLB history. Like, 303 and 166. And I know record doesn't mean a whole lot. But, you know, when you have a record that you know that many more wins than losses it definitely says something you know and 10-time all-star um i think you alluded to him being a five-time cy young award winner and we all yep. know about his fastball being over 100 on a regular basis baby randy johnson was my number one so i'm interested to hear who your number one pitcher of all time is so again my number one i i just have always always had uh fondness for this guy and really affinity to him because of his size and stature and just makes him he's always made him even more impressive in my eyes my number one pitcher of all time guy I would put on the mound against anybody ever is pedro martinez pedro pedro martinez pitched from 1992 to 2009 same era as randy a bit of a shorter career but you know that's why these guys in my eyes Considering the talent they faced, um, you know, this Pedro going up against the Yankees year after year. Um, so 18 years in the league at only 5'10", it, it, which he's listed at 5'10". I don't even know if he is. 180 pounds. To me, always made it that much more impressive that he averaged mid-90s on his fastball. Uh, in additional to that, if you look at every pitch he threw, it's rated in the top um, all time. His curveball, his changeup. Maybe those pitches might be the best ever. Um, his three-quarter arm slot, similar to Randy from the other side, obviously. Um, I mean, this guy, his changeup had a 10-inch drop for it. So wow, also to a cutter, a sinker, <clears throat> 10 inches on his changeup. So you know, we're we're huge fans, of, of course, of. Uh, Castillo, who has an amazing changeup, but mm -hmm. you know, watch some highlights of Pedro pitching. He led the, he led the league in strikeouts three times, and his seasons of 1999 and 2000, he had a 1.74 ERA, led in strikeouts, and his WHIP for those two seasons was .737 for two full seasons. Goodness gracious, .737. Um, you know, and I'd stack those up against anybody ever. 2.93 ERA for his career, which he led five times. Ten strikeouts for nine innings, which he led five times. 4.15 strikeouts to walk ratio, which he led four times. And a career 1.054 whip. Three Cy Youngs, which, to be honest, I feel like he got hosed out of a couple. And consistent 
um, not maybe as dominant in the playoffs, although he didn't have as many opportunities playing with the Red Sox mostly there. Um, but for me, that's my argument. Pedro Martinez is my number one pitcher. Could really argue for, you know, all these guys. And, and, uh, and that so, was, yeah, that was fun, for, man. It was. I you could it. argue for so many pitchers. And think <clears throat> this pitcher position, doing, you know, the top ten, like you did, and I did my top five. But the fact that Pedro wasn't even in my top five, it just goes you to show you how tough the decisions were, mm -hmm. this pitcher's decision. You know, Pedro obviously would have been in my top ten. But all of these guys, incredible. And I wanted to pay a little bit of homage to the old schoolers, but there's yeah. so many guys that are not on these lists that <clears throat> are very deserving. So, excellent. Well, and, and you know, for me, Pedro's a bit of a, um, you know, some people might say it's a reach if you look at it, but for me, I, I don't think so. I think he's the best I ever saw. So, what, uh, what do we want to kick into next after that awesome segment? JB, let's give a... U.S. Men's National Team update a group of guys who let's we, do it. We really like to update a lot because we're really on a countdown, JB. Which which yes, we are. was about an eight month countdown when we first started talking about it. We're we're only what are we? What is this? June, August, September, yeah, yeah, about, yeah. We got a few more months to go, but we're talking about the World Cup, people. <clears throat> There's this 23 year old JB, 5'10", 160 pound guy on the U.S. Men's National Team named Christian Pulisic, who's pretty good. You heard of him? Oh, he pretty darn good. He scored a world-class individual effort goal, JB, in a recent international friendly. JB, solid yes, sir. opponent in the World Cup qualifying uh, squad oh, in Morocco. And absolutely. this was an international friendly, but like I was saying, Morocco also qualified for the World Cup. JB, Pulisic and the entire team had an incredible game. The game marked the return of Weston McKinney and the introduction of an intriguing up-and-coming striker named Haji Wright, who scored his first career international goal. Christian Pulisic, JB, was very unselfish on that occasion, allowing his youth teammate Wright to take the penalty kick late in the match. Loudest boy to get it. Brendan Aronson, <clears throat> the speedster, scored as well, but as we move closer to the World Cup, the back line defending will be the area that is most in question. We're talking about Miles yes, Robinson's sir. Achilles injury leaving a huge hole, but optimistically open the door, possibility for younger players and a couple guys looking to reinvent themselves, like maybe John Brooks. Baby, what yeah. you got? Well, just, uh, man, just really to piggyback, um, I thought that the really the standout moment for me was the total class act of Christian Pulisic. Mm. I mean, he really was lined up, set to take a penalty kick. And most often, you know, the captain or the leaders of the team, typically they're going to take the penalty that's kicks. Right. So it's in his, within his right, you know, and that's yeah, a big deal. Um, when you, you, you think about historically international goal tallies, that's a big thing. And for him to pause, say, you know what? Haji Wright, it's his debut. This is my pal. You take the penalty kick. Mm -hmm. you know, and I, th that just speaks <clears throat> to leadership, to, you know, awareness. Like, this is a guy that I would put the entire team behind and I couldn't be uh, more excited about. So just want to touch on that. Um, and you're right. I think the defense is the biggest question mark still. Uh, I was very pleased with their performance. They really came out of the gate well. And, yeah, it was a friendly. But, uh, you know, for those that watched it, it was there was some intensity. Yeah. Uh, Morocco had never lost to the U.S., and they mm. weren't about to come out and just lay down. You know, that they're, they're preparing for the World Cup, too. Um, and we really just handled them. Yeah, Morocco did have a couple really good chances. Yeah. Uh, which, again, is what kind of worries me with the defense. But, um, you know, so we have do have Zach Steffen out right now, um, you know. But I like I like the way our keeper played, and you know, don't be surprised if Zach Johnson, um, who was uh, really up and coming a couple years ago, don't be surprised if he gets in the mix. And um, forgive me, what the the keeper that played? What is his name? You know, I think it was Matt Turner. Matt Turner, that's correct. So he just signed with Arsenal. And there's a likelihood that he might not start with them, 
mm. uh, similar to the position that Zach Steffen is in with Man City. And if we're heading to the World Cup, those guys are on the bench, and you have Zach Johnson, yeah, who's playing, playing lights out in the MLS. He might get the nod. So keep an eye on that. Um, really, during these upcoming matches, we want to see growth, but health is obviously <laughs> the key. Um, you know, right now we have Serginio Dest, uh, obviously Richards, Reyna, Robinson, Pepe, all out for this round. Um, so we get to see some younger guys. Hopefully those guys heal up, as you mentioned, McKinney being back, um, looking for sharpness. For me right now, Eunice Musa and Timmy Weah are must-start players. Um, you know, I know that Reyna may challenge for that midfield spot. Musa is just, he provides so much energy running up and down, getting back on D, and he can he can just attack. So, um, yeah, we got, uh, we got, of course, the Uruguay game. We got the Granada game coming up, El Salvador, El Salvador. And, yeah, Haji, Haji Wright definitely has an opportunity to make a name for himself and maybe, maybe – uh, Get on the squad and take that spot. Uh, Malik Tillman, another 20-year-old, got in. He's actually played seven games with Bayern Munich, which is one of the top clubs in the world. And uh, could be a big deal. Could be somebody in the future. And I also uh, like seeing Carter Vickers get out there. Center back uh, played pretty well. So we'll see. I, I, I couldn't be more excited for this team, though. Yeah, no doubt. That was good stuff, JB. And we'll... Be excited to cover this U.S. men's national team in the upcoming months. JB, you know, for my personal segment, I can't take it anymore. What what can't you take anymore? <laughs> this disingenuous, downright trashy trend of average, mediocre NBA players speaking slander on top of the line players' names. Let me make this oh. disclaimer, JB. I fully appreciate the level of talent it takes to make it to the NBA, the level of hard work and self-confidence needed, but that self-confidence shouldn't ascend to arrogance and emotional-driven defamation of character. Let me tell you why Pat Beverly's and Matt Dillavadova's and the Kendrick Perkins of the world, who are all solid basketball players, let me tell you why they're confident calling out players who they don't hold a candle to. It's the curse of clout chasing. When you've Ooh. tasted the clout a bit and didn't regulate your reaction, you become a part of the circus. The circus is not based on statistical data, championships, scoring titles, defensive awards, individual success. The circus is based on feelings and what you think might happen. It's not a place any person, specifically an athlete should want to be JB. Athletes control their destiny by choosing greatness and acknowledging the greatness around them, especially JB, when a greatness around you has humbled your team or you mm -hmm. specifically countless right. times. JB, I don't know how much more I can take. And I'm going to end it right there before I go crazy. <laughs> no, I, might, I might go crazy, JB. It's all, it's just haters. It's the, it's the haterism, you know, like you said. Oh my gosh. Hater, haters going to hate. Haters um, going to hate. So I'm going to introduce us something, something a little bit new today. Um, going to do a, a little bit of this, this day slash this week in sports. How oh, about okay. That? Let's do it. Yeah. We'll go back in time. A little nostalgia. So in sports history in 1957, Ted Williams became the first American leaguer to have two, three home run games in a season. Good old, oh good my. old Ted. Oh my. Then wow. we got, uh, then we got in 1988, the Boston Red Sox were 10 games back and go on to win the AL East. 1989, the Detroit Wist, the Detroit Pistons sweep the LA Lakers in four games. Remember that squad? Yes, I do. Yeah. Yes, I How do. How about in 1995, Major League pitcher Dennis Martinez no-hits the Baltimore Orioles. Hey. Nothing. Hey. Good old Denny Martinez. <clears throat> Got a few more here for you. Let's go. In 2012, San Francisco Giants pitcher Matt Cain, obviously we're in the middle of baseball season, so we're going to have some baseball ones. Matt Cain pitches 
the first perfect game in the franchise history against the Houston oh. Astros. Matt Cain, whatever happened to that guy? He was a stud. Popped up the game. 2017, the Golden State Warriors win their second NBA title in three years over hey. the Cavs. Hey. 2018, FIFA votes to award the 2026 World Cup to the U.S., Canada, and Mexico. And in 2019, the NBA Finals, Toronto Raptors beat the defending champ Golden State Warriors to win their first title. So, you know, some fun stuff there. Maybe something we'll revisit in the future. Just always good to reminisce. I like it. I like the change up, JB. That was excellent. And you did get me reminiscing about the past a little bit. Speaking of the past, JB. Yeah. That team was stacked. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. That team that I'm talking about, JB, was the 2004 USC Trojans. Oh, wow. The 04 college football season, JB, saw USC coming off a split national title with the LSU Tigers, you know, and they were primed for greatness with a very young core and one of the best QBs in the country. We're talking about Matt Leiner. The Trojans also brought a lot of big big names in their coaching staff. We're talking Pete Carroll, Norm Chow, Ed Orgeron. Ken Norton Jr., Lane Kiffin. Oh, and they had a running back named Reggie Bush. You remember that guy? Reggie, Reggie. To be honest, the backup running back, Lindell White, wasn't a slouch either. JB, this team had depth at every position, including receivers, you know, Dwayne Jarrett. Steve Smith, not Steve Smith Sr., the other Steve Smith. Their old line (laughs) was stacked, and the defense had guys like Sean Cody, Matt Grudegood, Lawrence Jackson, Mike Patterson, JB. After finishing the season undefeated, which included a tight win against rival UCLA in the final game of the year, USB, USC beat Oklahoma 55-19 in the Orange Bowl to stamp their greatness. They went wire to wire as the number one team of the land. Leinert won the Heisman wow. Trophy, and they only had a handful of light of, of close games during their 13-0 season. JB. Unfortunately, some of the wins were vacated due to violations of the program, but it doesn't mm-hmm. take away from the greatness of this team, in my eyes. No, it, it doesn't. You're right. 2004 USC Trojans. That team was stacked. Man, forgot about Lindell White. Played with the Titans. <laughs> yes, sir. There's a lot of Steve Smiths, man. Yes, you sir. You said the name. I was like, wait a minute. Didn't he play at Michigan State? Yeah, not Steve Smith Sr. <laughs> not, not that guy. Another one. Well, he, you know. uh, for my... Uh, for my that team was stacked. We're going to switch sports and talk about the 2009 Chelsea Football Club. Tell me about it, JB. This team was amazing. In fact, every player on the on the starting 11 was potentially the best player and or captain for their national team. Okay. Um, you know, this team won the won the Premier League um, really about a year or so before I started watching them but most of these guys were still on the team and uh remember watching the highlights peter check at keeper was considered to be the best goalie in the world at the time for Mm -hmm. interesting enough played for the czech republic uh he was the guy that if you've seen highlights wears the uh, headgear yeah um, because he had some uh some injuries Uh ashley cole at left back was probably the best fullback in the world at the time playing for England and John Terry at center back was probably the best center back in the world. Also Uh had Alex from Brazil and Ivanovic from Serbia, all very talented in the air and uh, very stout defensively. This was a pretty uh, tall and intimidating group Uh, on the midfield. You had Frank Lampard, just an all time, great all time leading scorer for the club. Um, One of those box to box players, Michael Essien, from Ghana, again, just a an engine, never stopped. Uh, John Obi Mikel from Nigeria, who was the captain of the Nigerian team in his later days. And up front, none other than my favorite player of all time, Didier Drogba, um, for the Ivory Coast. You know, this guy just led from the front. Um, just such a force to deal with up there. Solomon Kalou, also from the Ivory Coast. And I can't forget... My man Flora Maluda and Yelka from France. Um, so they just had talent for days coming off the bench. 
really uh, one of the better teams probably ever assembled in my eyes in the Premier League, 2009 Chelsea. That team sounds like they were ridiculous, JB. Yeah. In fact, they were stacked. <laughs> <laughs> it should have been a com- that's a commercial right there. <laughs> it is. There we go. You know we'll what make we, that happen. All right. You know uh, what we got, JB. It's time. It's yeah. time, folks. It's time for little sports dichotomy. As always, one of our favorites. The the greatest segment in sports podcast. The greatest. The greatest oh, of segment. Course. We are going to uh, go back and forth with some uh, statements that are dichotomous, yes or no. And uh, the other person will answer, and we'll move right along. So you want to kick it off this week? Yes, sir, JB. I have about 11 or 12 of these bad boys. All right, here we go. Let's get it. Aaron Donald considered retirement due to contract renegotiation issues. So that means the Rams don't appreciate him. Yes. Okay. This is the year we will finally see Mike Trout and Shohei Otani in the postseason. Absolutely. With the new playoff? Yes. 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 No doubt. I hope hope so. Another baseball one for you. Marlins' Jesus Sanchez hitting a 496-foot home run is a product of the MLB using lighter baseballs. Mm, Yes. (laughs) Uh, Chelsea will go further than Man City or Liverpool next year in the Champions League competition. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say no on this ah. one. All right, Steph Curry is the most unguardable shooter in the NBA. Yes. All right. At age 39, Justin Verlander, who by the way barely missed my list, he has a 2.03 ERA and is second in the league in WHIP at basically the quarter point in the season. And will win the Cy Young this year. Yes. Mm. Nick Saban's comments about Jimbo Fisher in lieu of the NIL exposed Nick Saban as a hypocrite. Yes. Mm. Big crybaby. Colin Kaepernick will be signed by an NFL team before the season starts. Uh, uh, unfortunately, probably not. Not helping someone up after committing a hard foul on them in basketball is not bad sportsmanship. That's what creates next-level competitiveness. Yes. Mm, Love it. Love it. Yes. The NFL creating the IR clause, which allows teams to move injured players off of IR after sitting out for four games. They can do this eight times a year. It is long overdue. Of course. N.O. was tripping when he didn't do his homework and realized that Serena Williams wasn't playing in the French Open. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I guess I was too because I, I didn't catch it. Yeah, we, we were thinking, for those of y'all that don't know what we're talking about in the previous episode, we were saying that she was going to win the French Open. She, she didn't even suit up. Yeah. You know, the, the chick who actually ended up winning, she is on a ridiculous match winning streak. I think it hit, I think it might have hit 40. Ika Swiatek, I think what? it. JB, you got to look it up. Number one women's okay. player in the world. Took over Ash Barty's this year. She hasn't lost this year, I believe, in any match. That's insane. Yeah. All right, you know, uh, Juan Soto will be traded by the Washington Nationals before the deadline, even though they are adamantly saying he won't? Um, I'm going to say no. I'm going to say okay. no. Haji Wright is the next top-notch U.S. Men's National Team striker. Yes, that's a hopeful yes. Oh, wow. Uh, The Golden State Warriors, yeah, if you go back and look at yeah, what he's been doing. Uh, Golden State Warriors are a team of destiny this year. <sighs> yes. Gotta come okay. on, gotta say yes. Okay, have a Golden State Warriors one, and we did not do this intentionally, y'all. Steph Curry, <laughs> Clay Thompson, and Draymond Green are actually underrated. Yes. Yeah, sometimes they are. The comparisons being made between the Colts' signing of Matt Ryan and the Rams' signing of Matthew Stafford and what the outcome will look like are accurate. I hope. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> that is not a yes answer. That is not a no answer. That I is an you. I hope. Thank y'all. Please, that's a new, that's a please new speaking one. into existence, y'all. Please speaking into existence. I hope dichotomy. All right. <laughs> Sport, sports I hopeness. All right. Yes. Current baseball players gambling with fantasy football. Uh, you know who I'm talking about. It's comparable. Oh, it's comparable to Pete Rose's situation. Let me repeat that. Uh, Current baseball players gambling in fantasy football is comparable to Pete Rose's uh, situation. No. It's okay. Not. That was funny though. <laughs> uh, the best football movie of all time is The Program. Uh, yeah, not for me. I'm gonna say no. Okay. <clears throat> Hindsight head coaching on Facebook statuses. You know the people who get on there. You know after the game, mm, they, they yes, do everything yes. that was supposed to happen. Hindsight head coaching on Facebook statuses after sporting events keeps JB from scrolling. Uh, keeps no. you still scroll. <laughs> <Yeah. coughs> uh, oh man, Demetri Young, aka the Meat Hook, was a much much better hitter than No gave him credit for. That is a f- yes, yes. Just so y'all, just so y'all know, JB, JB actually opened my eyes up and my mind up to what a great hitter he was earlier this week when we were texting y'all. He mm-hmm. reminded me, and I had no idea. Demetri Young, I am not the Cincinnati Reds fan that I'm supposed to be for not knowing about <laughs> your greatness, and I will do my homework from here on out about players of your of your stature. I apologize, Demetri. <laughs> I have, that was my last one, JB. You got any others? Oh, I do. I got two more. Uh, JB has three career home runs. Oh, I yes? Yes. Over the fence. My last Let's do one. It. My last one. Uh, Gabe Kapler, current uh, manager in Major League Baseball, should be praised for his stance regarding change that needs to happen in our country of course no doubt about it man i love when people like that stand up Shout don't care what nobody thinks about jb i actually as i normally do i may i missed one jb so i actually have one oh. left you're gonna you're gonna like right. this one it's about one of your Great. favorite nfl players okay uh baker mayfield <laughs> <laughs> wow <laughs> baker mayfield is going to be a starting qb week one of the 2022 nfl season no. Oh wow, JB. Wow. Interesting. Yeah, yeah he might too not. Too much up in the air. Too okay. much up in the air. I just don't know. You know. No yeah, doubt. No doubt. Sports. We'll, we'll revisit. Classic sports you know, dichotomy segment as classic. always. Classic. And, and you know that just gave me a thought. Uh, I think um, at some point in time we may revisit some previous dichotomies and just mm. kind of some funny <clears throat> ones that we were maybe adamant about <laughs> on our answers that, that. No doubt. didn't come to fat didn't pass come, just yes. to yep. have some laughs. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt, no doubt. Okay. Alrighty, JB. Time for JB's justifications. for JB. Those of y'all that don't know what goes down this section, segment, I'm going to start off by asking JB a personal question, you know, maybe a little right. bit outside of sports. Actually, mine is a little bit related to sports today, but then I'm going to put a minute on the clock and I'm going to allow JB to justify which side he's going to take on a given sports issue. And then okay. we're going to do name that athlete. All right. I'm ready. Let's get after it. Okay. Personal question for JB today is JB, the adult, his favorite coaching style is what? The adult version of JB, not JB, the kid, player, athlete. JB, the adult, what is your favorite coaching style? Um... As a coach, or if yep. I were to be coached, yep. yep. So if you both, or I. Okay. Um. Personally, based on my mentality and what I know that I need, is I need a coach that is, uh, you know, fiery. Uh, somebody that's going to, you know, get up in my stuff, so to speak, and really, uh, you know, not be afraid to. You know, I don't necessarily need a coach that's going to put their arm around me and pat me on the back and mm-hmm. tell me good job. You know, I need, I need to be challenged because, you know, just my personality, I know at times that um, I need that kind of extra motivation. Um, yeah. You know, I think that answer differs a little bit from the from 
if I'm coaching or uh, coaches that I see, I, I like the the mentality and the philosophy that you got to be flexible mm. and you've got to be willing to kind of go with go with the flow of, of each individual and in each team. Um, I think they all have their own personalities and they all need different things. I think fairness is a great word. Fairness doesn't always mean treating everybody exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Fairness is giving each person what is needed for them to be successful. That's so right. That's right. I think just having that open mindset and not being rigid about, you know, we have to do it this way. I mean, I think you got to base it off your personnel and what they need. Maybe. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Excellent answer. Hey, thanks. All right, JB. We got a minute on the clock. Okay. And JB's justification. You will be justifying this statement right here, which I actually put it in question form. With under a minute left in game seven of the Eastern Conference Finals and the Miami Heat in the midst of a late comeback, Jimmy Butler took a highly discussed transition three-pointer that would have given the Heat a one-point lead. Al Horford was in the lane backpedaling, giving up the three. And also not in a great position to stop JB on the drive. That's Jimmy Butler. Correct. JB made the right decision in that situation and why. All right. I'm going to obviously right. agree with that or disagree with that. Yeah. A, a minute is on the clock and we're going to let JB justify now. Thanks for asking this question. Uh, I'm going to say absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, this guy is... He's out there busting his butt, 48 minutes of gameplay, carrying his team. And actually, if you go back earlier in the game, made a pretty similar shot. Now, Mm. folks say Jimmy Butler's not the greatest three-point shooter. He's not, but it's an open look. It's the end of the game. He knows as well that if this game goes into overtime, you know, he's already tired. He's played 48 minutes. Uh Uh, You know, so if there's an opportunity to take the lead and then – you know, get one defensive stop and you win the game. Why not seconds. take it? Yes, he, could he could he have potentially driven and gotten fouled? Of course, that's a possibility. Mm-hmm. But who am I to knock the guy who's Ten been seconds. out there, uh, been in the moment? And it's not like it was a bad shot. It's not. It was barely contested, and uh, it was an open look. In fact, it looked like it was going in. So for those folks that are bashing him, I just. I don't see it. Of course. I completely agree with you. Um, this kind of goes back to my sports dichotomy, on-site head coaching question. Mm-hmm. You know, <clears throat> and these people, none of them would have said anything that the shot went in. And Absolutely. in the given situation, exactly. with the momentum the way it was, you know, with the comeback they made was actually pretty crazy. I thought it, it was, was. It was. I thought it was the right decision. Now, that being said, what I have liked to see J- Jimmy Butler drive, yes, I feel like he could have sure. finished through contact and got the end one. But that doesn't mean it made it a bad decision to take the shot. People got to understand this is not a black and white situation. It would have right. been a good decision either way. He made a good decision to take that shot, and it would have been a good decision if he drove. So that's a great answer, JB. Hey, thanks. And you as well. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Time for Name the Athlete. Name and the Athlete. I am quite sure that it's not going to take me very long for you to name this one of okay a, a midwestern hooper it's not kanye it's not common it's not talib quality not twister but it's one of chicago's greatest jb we're talking about an nba player one of okay. chicago's native sons in his 2009 playoff debut jb he dropped 36 points and he was the youngest MVP in NBA history at age 22. You got it yet? I believe you're talking about Derrick Rose. Ding, 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 ding. Yes, sir. Listen, y'all. D. Rose, or for the injuries, if D. Rose doesn't have that injury in year four, let's let's say hypothetically speaking, D. Rose never had that injury. Hmm. We could be talking about D. Rose is one of the top three in. It, one of the top three greatest players of all time. Wow, Easily. that's a statement right 22 there. 22-year-old, do you remember D. Rose at age 22, JB? Yeah. The MVP D. Rose? 
crazy athleticism and he was fast he was skilled and the craziest part about it was he really couldn't even shoot that well yet but he was you know he was kind of like at that point in time he was like you know you think like a russell westbrook type but jb i'm gonna take it a step further more skill i'm gonna take it uh, i'm gonna take it a step further jb i'm gonna say he was like the small version of a Giannis. He was oh, wow. in my he was that from the unstoppable standpoint. Derrick mm. Rose was blowing by people, going to the rim. D Rose was getting to the rim at will. Now, obviously, well, it's tough to compare a Giannis and a D Rose. I'm strictly talking about the unstoppable nature of those two players when they're in their prime. That's all I'm talking sure. about. Sure. And you think about the um the bad luck for the Bulls with injuries yeah, with him, and exactly. then didn't they also get Jay Williams? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> a couple yeah. of point guards that were, you know, sky was the limit, and they just, man, they did injuries. Man. It messed up his career, but he battled it out. You know, Derrick Rose played a bunch more seasons, um, and um, yeah, he turned he out to be a very good basketball player. I think he had a career 18 point per game scoring average, and um, Derrick Rose, y'all. <clears throat> he rose well another uh another good show in the books yes, sir. and again yes, sir. uh certainly blessed as always to get to do it we thank you guys please continue to send us feedback questions comments we love it yes kind we of, do uh, keeps us excited to continue doing this and um yeah hit us up no.jb.sportspedigree at gmail.com uh instagram tiktok no and jb sports pedigree and um you know like share subscribe all that stuff we appreciate it thank you guys yes sir yes sir y'all have an excellent week let's go sports pedigree on deck who's batting in no njb it's what's happening coverage of the nba present and past you probably want to listen to facts we never mask alas we don't hold back articulating them sneaky important stats and trivia shows that the subject matter is well-rounded like a ball is i see the referee i'm wondering what the call is communicate the pick i'm going top side illuminate that list giving you my top five acknowledging who's great now your list may have a couple different names but really there's no debate wait passion gotta be smooth on the lookout for sports dichotomy tools getting views sounds nice but the vision is deep because in knowing jb will never put you to sleep originality is the key you pick locks with open up no nose has been concocted the segments are personal too because a sports podcast without opinion surely no value <laughs> we gotta be great requesting no favors world cup you wait for tennis majors nfl trades and baseball pastime consistent on the mic we don't get no halftime <laughs>